Philippians chapter 4. Uh, let's read verses 4 through 9. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I'll talk to you tonight about the God of peace that we find in this passage. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for your faithfulness. We pray, dear Lord, that as we open your word again tonight, that you would give us comfort, encouragement, exhortation, as we talked about this morning, that we may be closer to you, may be more Christ-like, that you'd help us, dear Lord, with struggles in our lives. We pray, dear Lord, that you would uh, show yourself mighty in this service tonight. I do pray for Pastor Byler and his family as they travel back today. Pray, dear Lord, that you'd keep them safe, bring them back here, uh, serving in this place again. We pray, dear Lord, that you be with their family in the loss of mother or grandmother. Uh, we thank you, dear Lord, for the, the comfort we have that she was saved. We do pray, dear Lord, that you be with that family's uh, uh, the, the loss. Uh, is something that uh, sometimes uh, will uh, come upon us unaware uh, as, as much as we miss certain people in our lives. We pray, dear Lord, that you'd give them comfort. We ask tonight that you'd help us to honor and glorify your name and be obedient to your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, as I said uh, when I first stepped up here, this is a familiar passage. But I think occasionally we need to be reminded <laughs> of the comfort that we can find in this passage and the exhortation to be obedient to it. Uh, we do live, as we talked about this morning, in a sin-cursed world. We battle the old man, uh, which means there's going to be difficulties in life. Uh, it, it's just the way it is. If someone has ever convinced you that Christianity is a bed of roses and that everything's going to come out just the way you want it to... <laughs> Uh, we need to be careful about that. Uh, the Bible says there will be difficulties. The Bible does tell us that God will give us the desires of our heart as we're submitted to the word of God and his will. But even those desires a lot of times are brought about in, in, in what we may think is, is trying ways, difficult ways. Uh, as we deal with, uh, we talk about one another, as we deal with our, our own family or our extended family or co-workers or the difficulties of life and the difficulties of jobs and, you know, uh, trying to make, meet responsibilities and be at different places and different times and, and all those things, our, our lives can all of a sudden just seem out of control. It can seem like things are just more difficult than they ought to be. 
Have you ever stopped to think in the midst of all that trouble and all that difficulty uh, that God's trying to teach us something? Uh, That God's trying to get us to realize that uh, He's in control and as long as we rest in Him, we can have a peace that goes beyond understanding. This is what this passage is talking about. It's talking about how to handle difficult situations and what our response ought to be. It, that response is, uh, as we see in this passage tonight, is something we need to grasp. It's something that we need to put really an anchor down in our hearts and souls in this passage to know that whatever trouble life may bring, we can go through that trouble with an unbelievable peace of God. Uh, and that, That's what we need to be reminded of. Uh, so I just want to kind of work our way through these verses. Uh, the first thing I want to look at here is the exhortation to holy joy. It says, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So when he begins this passage here, dealing with the peace of God and what not to do and what to do and how to handle difficult situations, he starts this starts his passage off by reminding us we need to live in joy. We need to have the eternal joy of God abound in our hearts and souls. Uh, it's not happiness. Okay? Uh, if, if the word happiness really has to do with happenings. Okay, happenings can come and go, which means happiness in that context, can come and go. Brother Welch, you may get a brand new car and be happy as all get out to be able to drive it off of a lot. And on the way home, your first drive, some nut comes down the road, not paying attention to what he's doing, and sideswipes the side of the truck. Your happiness that you had when you left didn't even make it all the way home. That's not what he's talking about here. Our happiness is is not based on the circumstances of life. Our joy is based on the relationship we have with our Holy Savior. And so it doesn't matter what difficulties of life may come. It doesn't matter if that brand new car gets scratched on the way home. We can still have the joy of the Lord because our relationship with Him is what it ought to be. And even in difficult times, we can have that joy. Matthew Henry said this, says it's our duty and privilege to rejoice in God and to rejoice in Him always and at all times, in all conditions, even when we suffer for Him or are afflicted by Him. We must not think the worse of Him or of His ways for the hardships we meet with in His service. There is enough in God to furnish us with matters of joy in the worst circumstances on earth. Do you truly believe that? We, we really are blessed in this nation. You know, we, you, you may have some bad circumstances, but there's people across this world in a whole lot worse circumstances. And those that are saved in those circumstances can still have the joy of the Lord. I think about Paul and Silas in prison. It's not like prison today. Hey, it's basically a hole in the ground, dirt, uh, muck, mire that you can—the worst possible kind you can think of. 
sitting in prison, uh, in bonds, lights. There's no lights. It's just dark at night. And what do they do? They sing hymns. Talk about it before, singing, encouraging, exhorting, admonishing through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. It's what they found their courage in, in a very, very difficult place. And so it really doesn't matter what circumstances you have in life, how difficult those circumstances may be, how troublesome it may be, how in turmoil your hearts and soul may be, we need to be exhorted to lift holy joy in our lives. Now keep your hands here and turn back to Psalm 37. Look at this verse here. If I can find it here. Psalm 37. I mentioned this verse earlier. Verse 34 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You know, if we delight, that, that's really the idea of having uh, an abounding joy in our lives and serving the Lord. He says that he'll give us the desires of our hearts. If he sends difficulties in our ways and we don't follow his will, we turn to our own understanding. We're going to see in a minute. We turn to worry. We try to solve issues ourselves. We're taking ourselves out of this promise. <laughs> he says if we'll delight in him and our hearts are aligned with his heart, he'll give us the desire of our souls. Think of Job, the trouble that came in his life. God allowed that trouble to come. Put him in a destitute situation and basically the loss of everything that he had. And yet Job, through that, some friends that were not an encouragement to him, stayed true to the Lord. Now, he had some doubts in the midst of it, but he stayed true to the Lord, and in the end, God gave him the desires of his heart, abounding more than he could ever imagined. Now, I'm not saying that the Lord's going to bless all of us materially. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the Lord will give the desires of our hearts when they line up with his word. The desires to be righteous, the desires to be holy, the desires to have that worked out in our lives in whatever lot that God's given us. He's given us that promise. So joy, delighting in the Lord. Uh, there in Psalms 2, turn over to Psalms 94. Psalm 94. Look at verse 19. And this is usually us. Okay, if you're like me, you're going through life and there's difficulty at times, you've got a multitude of thoughts running through your mind. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get this solved? How's all this going to work out? Uh, you know, what am I going to do about this situation? How am I going to take care of that? And it just goes on and on and on and on. And here in verse 19, it says, In the multitude of my thoughts... Within me, thy comforts delight my soul. So Henry said, it's our duty and privilege to rejoice in God, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how difficult it may be. We need to have the holy joy of God abounding in our lives. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. To have that joy 
and speak speak it forth <laughs> to an exhortation the holy joy and then we need to have moderation to all men it says there let your moderation be known unto all men the Lord is at hand what does it mean to have moderation to all men I, I use another word let your life be an even kill before all men. What do you mean by that? That means I'm going to serve my God and have a relationship with Him so that the circumstances of life do not make my life like the waves of the sea. It's high when things are good and it's low when things are bad. Let me tell you, it's not an encouragement to be around a person like that. You never know from one day to the next what you're going to get in their lives. I taught band in school. There was a particular girl that would come into to my class, and I could tell from the time she walked in the door what her countenance was like as whether she was having a good day or a bad day. That ought not be the case with Christians. We serve an unbelievable God, the God of our salvation. We're encouraged. Uh, really commanded here to ha rejoice in the Lord. And so no matter what the circumstances in life can be, our lives ought to be an even kill. Our moderation, uh, our living uh, humbly and serving our God ought to be known to all men. He says, why? Because the Lord is at hand. It's not that the Lord is coming. He is coming to, to take us back. But the Lord is at hand today. He's with you as you walk in this life. He's in, with you in this service. He's with us here now. And he says there, because of that, we, we ought to have his joy, his rejoicing in our lives, in our moderation, ought to be known to everybody. We ought not be known as that guy that has a short fuse. They ought not be that guy that everybody kind of walks on eggshells because they just don't know what kind of day that person's having. And if it's bad, it's going to be bad for everybody. He says, no, don't be that way. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I had this written down. Got a good disposition toward all men. Patience in dealing with other men. Why? The Lord is at hand. We have to give a final account of our dealings with others. Kind of goes along with this morning's message. You know, love one another. We're going to give an account for that relationship. We're going to give an account for the way that we deal with others. So if we're going to have difficulties in life, we need to understand that we need to have the joy of the Lord and we need to have moderation to all men. Our troubles, we may ask someone to help us pray over a difficult situation, but it ought to be that our troubles are evident by the way we conduct ourselves. So rejoicing, moderation. And when we begin the course of this verse, it says be careful for nothing. Before we talk about that, keep your hand here and turn over to Matthew chapter 6. This same, thought about caring for nothing is mentioned here. Chapter 6, look at verse 25. It says, 
therefore I say unto you, and this is the phrase, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body how you shall put, uh, what you shall put on. Is life not more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? So he's saying there, take no thought for your life. All the things that we strive over and, and try to get, uh, who wants to miss a meal? Uh, you know, well, the, the old, you know, the, the joke between wife and husbands, right? You eat breakfast, and the next question is, what are we having for lunch? He's saying, listen, take no thought for that. God provides for, for creatures and natures as the birds there, and they're way not better than them. So why worry about it? It's not that we're not supposed to meet our responsibilities, but why worry about it? We've got a God that can meet every need of our lives. So he says here, be careful for nothing. We could say this, do not worry about anything. Now let me draw a distinction here. There's a difference between worry that leads to sin and concern that leads to prayer to God. There are concerns in our lives that are to drive us to the word of God in prayer, contemplation, maybe prayer and fasting. But there's nothing in our lives that we need to worry about. There's, uh, the, the idea is, of, is a fretting of trying, it, what happens when worrying and fretting takes care of, all of a sudden we're trying to figure out how we're going to do this on our own, in our own understanding. And by the way, when we do that, it just makes circumstances worse. It makes our trying to deal with those things even worse. <laughs> He's saying, listen, don't worry about it. Be careful for nothing. Matthew Henry says this, it is our duty and interest of Christians to live without care. There is a care of diligence, which is our duty, and consists in wise forecast and due concern. That's what I was talking about a minute ago. But there is a care of uh, definite and distrust, which is our sin and folly, and which only perplexes and distracts the mind so as by your care to distrust God and unfit yourself for his service. Mueller said this, to care is a virtue, but to foster cares is sin. For such anxiety is not trust in God, but trust in oneself, which comes to inward suffering, fears, and worry. You see, when we worry or have care over things, all we're saying practically is we do not trust God to take care of it. Or we do not trust God's timing to take care of it. So we're going to do it ourselves, worry about it, try, uh, try to solve it on our own, and, and, and throw our lives, as, he, as Mueller said, into inward suffering, fears, and worry. Listen, when that happens, you're going to rob yourself of joy. He's just given us the command, rejoice in the Lord, or rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, to be moderate, to do those things and meet those responsibilities. We can't worry. 
But listen, it's not just a matter of saying, hey, don't worry about that. God has an answer to the problem. And that answer is constant, consistent prayer. Look what he says there. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. If you don't have that underlined or marked, you need to do that in your Bible. If you mark your Bible. In everything. There's not a thing in life. There's no difficulty in life. There's no struggle in life that it cannot be taken to God in prayer. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. See, that's the answer to worry. It's not trying to solve it on our own. It's not trying to figure out relationships on our own. It's by taking those things to God in prayer. Again, Matthew Henry says this, We must not only keep up stated times for prayer, but we must pray upon every particular emergency. In everything, prayer and supplication. Supplication is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly and humbly. Prayer is a solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God. In other words, this must be done with thanksgiving. In other words, it's prayer, making those requests known to God and expressing thanksgiving to Him, and supplication, which begins the act of begging, of really pleading with God. And so both things are mentioned here, every prayer and supplication. Prayer is the idea of it's a constant, ongoing thing in our lives. By the way, that, when Matthew Henry says we must have stated times of prayer, we must pray, but we must pray upon every particular emergency. Listen, we cannot be the kind of people that only pray in emergencies. If that's the case, we can't have confidence God's going to act on our better half. It's got to be in our lives that prayer is a constant thing in our lives. There, there's stated times of prayer. There, our, our, the uh, Thessalonians says that we need to uh, pray always. What's your prayer life like? Do you have a prayer in the morning at your devotions? And you really don't think about praying and talking to God the rest of the day? Do you wait unless there's an emergency and then go to the Lord? I'm saying, listen, the difficulties of life, need all, all of our lives need to be undergirded with prayer. And then when these particular difficulties come, we need to take prayer and supplication before God with hearts of thanksgiving. Now, we're dealing with the old man. I'm going to tell you sometimes that's difficult to do when things aren't going our way. But, I, but again, as I said before, our, have, our joy and stuff is not based on circumstances. It's based on a relationship we have with Jesus Christ. And so when those times come, why not turn to him in prayer and supplication and let him take care of it? To give us that peace that we're going to find out in a minute that passes all understanding. The answer to care and worry is constant, consistent prayer, not just out of trouble. It's just, it, prayer marks the character, character of our lives 
so that when difficulties do come, it's just a matter of an extension of taking it before God. When we do that, what is the result? It says there in verse 7, that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts, notice this, and minds through Christ Jesus. It's the peace of God. You see, when difficulties come, and we turn it over to him in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we can have this peace that he's talking about here that is beyond understanding. People you work with may know you're going through a difficult time in life, and yet you have a peace about you that they can't explain. They don't understand. Because in a lost world, difficulties come. You just worry, fret, try to figure it all out. Uh, go to the doctor to get medication to calm your nerves. I say, listen, there's no need for that. Did you just pray? Take it before the Lord, supplication, thanksgiving, and the result of that doing that we give you peace. Now notice, he didn't say that he'll necessarily take away what the burden is quite yet, but he'll give you peace in the middle of that that passes all understanding. We can't explain it. Those around us may not be able to explain it. But when he gives us that peace, that's beyond understanding. It's going to keep and guard our hearts. And it's going to keep and guard our minds. So that we're not consumed with the cares of this life. To the neglect of our spiritual well-being. It says it will keep our hearts and minds. Matthew Henry said this. It will keep us from sinning under our troubles. And from sinking under them. Keep us calm and sedate. It's not people take medication to be sedated, right? He says calm and sedate because of the truth of the, uh, of the word of God without discomposure or passion and with inner satisfaction. Now can you have inner satisfaction in the midst of trouble? Well, yes, you can because the God of all peace is going to bring that to you if you're obedient to what he's talking about here. Taking it to prayer and supplication. You do that, God will send peace that passes all understandings. It will keep your hearts, souls, and minds. Keep your hand here and turn over to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. You probably could quote this verse. Verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. See, worry brings about proof of distrust. Prayer and supplication brings about true proof of trust in God. And he said he'll give us perfect peace. I hope the peace that is complete in our lives to meet the need that we're facing. Do you crave that kind of peace? 
troubles of life, would you rather not have the peace of God in the midst of that trouble than to have the worry of the flesh and no peace? So prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving will bring peace that we can't explain. A perfect peace. Our minds, our hearts, our souls that possibly could be in turmoil are now brought peace because we've been obedient in prayer. And then not only that, he says finally there, what he's finally given us is what our mind should be consumed with. We have worry and difficulties of life, but he's saying, listen, we can take care of that and have the peace of God, and here's what your mind ought to be consumed with. And he lists quite a few things here. He says in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Not the worry of life, not the difficulty of life. The idea of true there ought to be, we're going to think on things true, including our own words and our engagements and responsibilities with others. Truth ought to be the, the foundation. Integrity ought to be the foundation of our lives. We need to think on that which is true. And by the way, every one of these descriptions can be found right here in this book. This book is true. This book is honest. This book is pure. This book is lovely. There's good things in this book. There's virtues to be found in this book. So there's things in this world that fulfill these things. But the thing he's really describing here is we need to be grounded in the word of God. Instead of worrying, let's go to the book. Let's think on true things. And it make it a part of our life so our lives are true. It's just the idea of being agreeable to the rules of justice and righteousness in our dealings with men. So, you know, you may have been, part of your trouble may be dealing with others. Listen, if they don't treat you right, that doesn't mean that you don't treat them right in return. That just means you're righteous in dealing with, 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 with all your people just Pure, without impurity or mixture with sin. Lovely. Listen, rainfall that we had out here can be lovely when things are dry. God's creation is lovely. Remember Pastor Webb talking about going out west? He's with, I can't remember the guy's name, he was a pastor in Nevada. And they were out looking at the gorgeous sunrise out there. And Pastor Webb was talking about how beautiful and lovely it was. And he says, it is beautiful. His pastor friend there said, it is beautiful and lovely. He says, but you got to remember, this is a cursed world. This is a cursed earth. The beauty that we see here in this cursed world is going to compare to nothing like the beauty we see in heaven. The beauty that we find... Uh, in an incorruptible word. He says, are a good report. That's amiable. That will render us beloved as well as, well spoken of, as well as thought of by others. In other words, as we think on the word of God and those things, our lives, our lives ought to be an open book, a good report for God and he's working in our lives. Virtual, 
virtuous, his moral excellence, worthy of praise, worthy of commendation. He said, listen, instead of being worried and being caught up in all these things and not knowing how to handle all these things, he says, listen, let God have the peace that passes all understanding. And your responsibility of prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, is then to turn your mind to the wonderful things in the word of God. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, all those things found in this book. Let your mind think on those things. Let your mind be consumed with those things. Instead of worry and care and missing out on the peace of God, we pray, supplications before God, thanksgiving in our hearts, peace comes and sheds across in our lives that we can't understand, hearts and minds are at peace, and then we let our thoughts be consumed by this book and all the things are in this book. And then all of a sudden the troubles that we're in, though they may not be solved yet, all of a sudden become a lot easier because they're in God's hands and he'll bring about the answer when it's time. And in the meantime, we can have peace. And our hearts and minds and souls can be at ease. But he didn't stop there. He gives his, the example of his own life. In verse 9, it says here, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now he's entering again here how the God of uh, peace is going to keep us. And he lists these things here. He says, those things which ye have both learned, the things that I've taught you, and received. You've received those uh, teachings. You received fellowship with me. You've received the word of God at my hand. All the things you received and heard and seen. In other words, it's not just his word that he's talking about here, but he's talking about the fact that his actions match his words. He says, when you've seen those, do. Do those things. Again, if you've not marked that word in your Bible, you need to do it. <laughs> it says, received, heard, seen in me, do. Do those things you've seen in my life. Do those things which have been taught to you. And when you do that, the God of peace shall be with you. Well, Matthew Henry says this, what they saw in him was the same thing with what they'd heard from him. He could propose himself as, a, as well as his doctrine to their imitation. It gives a great force to what we say to others when we can appeal to what we have seen or what they have seen in us. So see, you're dealing with cares and worries in here to have the peace of God in your life. But you need to understand that as you carry those things out, it's going to be evident as a testimony to those around you of how to do this. And you can go to someone else in trouble and say, listen, you've seen this in my life. Uh, let me tell you a few things about this. And just do them. If you'll do those things. All these things that we've talked about here have been evident in Paul's life. 
gave an example there of being in prison and singing. He wasn't worried about what was going to happen to him. He wasn't worried about what the consequences were going to be. He was just serving God. Prayer and supplication, singing, which, by the way, led to salvation of others. There's going to be an often time at work when you maybe have taken an opportunity to try to witness somebody and it's just been a closed door. And trouble comes into your life and they see the way you handle it and the way that you turn to the Lord and how you have the peace of God in your life. And they're going to look at your life and say, you know, that's not the way I'd handle this. What's different about your life? And you give an opportunity to them to show the practical working out of your salvation. It could be a testimony to others. But testimonies we talked about this morning to responsibly have one to another. It could be an example of one another and a possibility of exhortation and admonition to say, hey, look at what's going on here. I've gone through the same thing and let me tell you what God did for me. Listen, you need to do the same thing. And that's basically what Paul's saying here. Those things which you've learned, uh, both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And he said, talking about the peace of God, he said, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, so often we may have difficulties in life and we don't have the peace of God and we wonder why. If we're truly honest with ourselves when that takes place, we may find that the reason is is we're not doing what we find in this book. There's some, some aspect of our life that where we're failing in, dis, in obedience to the Word of God and we're not doing those things. Listen, this promise here of the peace of God in both places, in prayer and here in doing, are all contingent on our responsibility to, be, to do the things that are written here. It's not, the peace of God is not going to just happen in our lives. Salvation brings peace with God. A walk in obedience to Him and the Word of God brings the peace of God. We can have peace with God and not have the peace of God because our lives are not what they ought to be. He's saying here, Rejoice, be, have moderation, be even killed all men no matter what's going on in your life. Don't worry about anything. Take it to God in prayer, supplication, with hearts of thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and souls. Gives us things that consume our thoughts instead of the difficulties of life. And then encourages us to do those things. Now the question is, are you having difficulty? Are you having trouble in life? Are you finding peace? This is the formula is right here. This being obedient, rejoicing, all these things that we've talked about. If we're not doing these things, we can't expect the peace of God. But when we do, we can have the greatest confidence that his peace that passes all understanding is going to keep our hearts and our minds in perfect peace, as Isaiah says. Let's examine our hearts tonight. Be honest with ourselves and see if we are fulfilling our responsibilities we find in here 
to have the peace of God and be an example to those around us of what God can do in times of trouble. Let's stand.